Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. The smell of fresh spring rain. I mean, we're not talking Irish spring clean here, but walking into the station after parking the car. Parking the car took a little while longer because um, a certain man you'll hear from later in the show decided he wanted to go for dinner in the Byward Market today. So uh, the Prime Minister's motorcade causing a bit of a traffic jam near the station. But eventually, I got to a parking spot, and by the time I got out, it was starting to rain. But finally, it's the type of rain that I can enjoy. I don't know if you like walking around in the rain, but uh, it is incredibly unpleasant when the rain is so cold that you just need to get out of it. But when it's that nice, warm spring rain or summer rain, that's nice. It's not exactly hot out yet. But we are getting to the point where it's warm enough that, you know, light rain falling on your face. It feels good. It feels nice. You're not panicking and uh, and scrambling to get, to get out of it. In fact, I, I walked a little bit longer in the rain to make sure that it, it was JT's motorcade mucking up the, uh, the parking. I'm sure they're idling outside. Uh, as we speak, as he scarfs down some gnocchi or whatever he's eating tonight. I'm in a bit of a weird mood. And I'm in a weird mood because there was something special that launched five years ago today. Something very special to me, something very special to many of you. And it happened at 4 o'clock on April the 18th, 2011. News by day, straight talk by night. Sun News Network. Bringing the world's events to our viewers with headlines that matter, events that shape our lives, change the world, and define our country. From coast to coast. That was the promo video for Sun News Network. It was an attempt to do something different, an attempt to break up what is all too often a boring way of, of presenting news, especially political news in Canada. In in many ways, it was an attempt to bring talk radio to Canada. And we had a good run. I know a lot of you uh, that are in this audience now were fans, and we can can just lower that all the way down now, Stephen, thanks. Uh, I've posted a video on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, if I haven't mentioned that lately. Uh, My tribute to to Sun News, Passing On, which happened uh, February the 13th, 20, yeah, February 13th, 2015. I was on the radio that very day. I was sitting in this chair filling in for Lowell Green, 
and heard from so many of you the day that we shut down. But back to when we launched, uh, we had a countdown party in the uh, in the office. I had spent the weekend because of my uh, my story that we decided, okay, and I need a, a big story to uh, open the show with. And funny enough, my big story, many of you will not be shocked, was uh, on the state broadcaster and how they had spent millions of your dollars on a movie, an opera, an opera on film that they were never going to show you because it was so bad that, and I guess became controversial inside, that CBC actually pulled their name off of it. They didn't pull the funding. Uh, You and I still paid for this monstrosity called Mulrooney the Opera, but I had to go and spend part of that Easter weekend watching this awful movie. I'm a big fan of opera, big fan of musical theater. I'm a big fan of the arts. So it's not that, ooh, opera, yuck. It was just bad. Not a single hummable tune. Normally, you go to something with music in it. You go to a a concert. You go to a musical. You go to an opera. You're going to walk out humming something, or a song will be stuck in your head. I couldn't remember any of it. It was awful. And it cost us a fortune, and then they didn't want to tell us anything about it. But I had the goods. We ran with that on uh, opening night on the first episode of Byline. And Chris Sims, who was uh, in this uh, studio not a, shortly over an hour ago with uh, Evan Solomon, she was sitting next to me. Uh, her desk was next to mine at the Old Sun News offices, and we held the co- uh, countdown party in the office, and all got excited. I'll say this. We didn't last, and there's many reasons for that. But we did shake things up, didn't we? We shook things up in terms of how news was looked at. We shook things up. The other news channels, including CTV News Channel, they changed the way they did many things after we launched. But what I'm most proud of And what I try and continue to do here, and it's reflected in the name of this show, Beyond the News, is that I don't just tell you what's happening. We try and look at an issue and explore beyond the headline, beyond he said this, she said that. Okay, well, what does it all mean? That was the essence of the show. People that I knew that people did not watch when they claimed either A, I was an angry, screaming right winger. Because if you watch me, if you listen to me, that's not me. But if if you also said, well, there's no news in your show, then that also told me that you didn't listen. Somebody said that about this program a little while ago. What are you talking about? We discuss the news. We go beyond the headlines. We interview key people. And then we open it up for discussion for everyone. That's what I'm most proud of, is digging deeper. But there were also some weird elements as well, like when I had to um, be the ringside announcer and do play-by-play of a boxing match between Senator Patrick Brazo and our now Prime Minister. That was a ratings highlight, and me, who watches boxing now and again, had to sit there and call the thing with a very hyper Ezra Levant uh, 
who couldn't believe what was happening before his eyes. So that's why I'm in a bit of a weird mood. It'd be a fifth year anniversary of that launching. It didn't stick around, but I'm happy to say continue the work here at Beyond the News. And thank you for your support all during those years at Sun News, during my time in and out of CFRA over the years, and your support now. It means so much to me. We're going to be talking about a pile of issues today, including um, Justin Trudeau's quantum uh, computing knowledge and the media in this country turning into North Korea. That's uh, that's the view of J.J. McCullough, who coined the term quantum gate and has uh, had a, a lot of interest in his views on what Justin Trudeau did with uh, the whole quantum physics thing last week. I'll bring you some audio of Justin Trudeau at the um, International Association of Firefighters issue to, uh, meeting today the union meeting at the Delta Hotel, and I'll explain why it's worrisome, because you won't believe how much this union spent to try and help get Justin Trudeau elected. Now he's repaying a favor. We'll get into that at the top of the next hour. Bring you some news on truly scary things of what's happening in Europe regarding parents that, well, once in a while, engage in spanking. It's against the law there. What's happened to their kids why you need to be worried about it, and what could be coming here. That's all coming up later on. But right now, let's play out again with a little bit of the Sun News promo reel. And uh, if you want to see my thoughts on on that, you can go to my Facebook fa- page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. With Canadian studio designs inspired by the best names in news and sports. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Looking at a headline right now, a guy saying he was removed from a flight for speaking Arabic. I can't hear the story, but I'm going to say that in a little while we'll find out there's more to this story than just a man saying, I was kicked off a flight for speaking Arabic. Have you traveled lately? Have you been on a plane lately? People speak all kinds of languages. We were talking last week about the issue of assisted suicide. The government has brought out their... um, Their framework for legislation, I said it's not making any side happy. Uh, It's going to be challenged from all sides, in particular activists who say it doesn't go far enough in allowing for assisted suicide. But there's a flip, uh, flip side to this issue, and that is palliative care, palliative care. There is a brilliant hospital that performs that duty just a short walk from here. It's called the Briere Center. I believe it's the site of the original Ottawa General Hospital. And there's hospitals like this across the country. But a new study is suggesting that Canadian patients may not be accessing the palliative of care that they need because they view it as being synonymous with death. So they don't want to get the supportive therapies that are actually about improving their quality of life while they die. Maybe this is why more people are seeking out 
or saying they'd like to seek out assisted suicide. Palliative care is not keeping you alive on a machine. It's managing your pain towards the end of your life. And there needs to be more of it. Even the advocates for assisted suicide say, yes, we need more of this. And unfortunately, it's not there. For some reason, it does not get the funding. So the lead researcher on this study is Dr. Camilla Zimmerman of the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto. And she says that these therapies can offer pain and and, uh, other symptom control as you're dealing with the illness that is taking your life. I think that there needs to be attention paid to this because palliative care is something that can help so many people. And there are people who are not accessing it because they're afraid of it. And really, it's sort of reversing things. It's like being afraid of the umbrella rather than the storm, because we're, we're really trying to protect people from suffering. Uh, so Zimmerman says the study, um, they studied the perceptions of palliative care by cancer patients and caregivers. It's been published in the Canadian uh, Medical Association Journal. Tomorrow is the big uh, vote day in New York State. And if things go well, I'm going to try and head down to New York State tomorrow and and see how they do this whole primary thing. Ogdensburg is a short drive away. You got Watertown down there, Potsdam. Watertown's a, a good military town. Potsdam's a good campus town. Check some of this out and see how it's going. But it, the U.S. vote continues to be fascinating because now there's fights on all sides over how the nomination process is going. Democrats launched lawsuits last week. Well, now an aide to Donald Trump says they are looking at taking action on what they call the corrupt U.S. Republican nominating system. Here's more from ABC's Chuck Silverstein. It's a corrupt system, and it's a rigged system. Trump on Staten Island, New York, after his aide, Paul Manafort, announced about these non-primary delegate contests. Missouri, we're going to be filing protests. Colorado, we're going to be filing protests. And you saw in Colorado last week where the, the voters were left out of the process, the oh, groundswell of support uh, against the system. Ted Cruz aide Ken Cuccinelli says Trump hasn't won a majority in any contest. We've been winning elections, um, and when we win... Uh, t- Trump wines. Both on ABC's This Week. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. All right. Meanwhile, with Sievertson, he's uh, also checking in on what the Democrats are saying. And Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders have been asked about a bill that would allow 9-11 victims' families to sue any government they claim was complicit in an act of terrorism on U.S. soil, which is funny because if you're listening to Bill Carroll in the morning rush today, you might have heard the story about the the families trying to get information out of the Obama administration. Previously, they tried to get it out of the Bush administration that might point to Saudi Arabia being involved. So Clinton and Sanders were asked about supporting victims' families with lawsuits. Hillary Clinton said she hasn't seen the 9-11 bill supported by her former New York colleague, Senator Chuck Schumer. I'll have to look into it. But soon after her appearance on ABC's This Week, Clinton said she supports it. Saudi Arabia says if the bill passes, it would sell its U.S. assets. Democratic rival Bernie Sanders. I have said throughout this campaign that we are not taking a hard enough look at Saudi Arabia. And it's not only the people who came from Saudi Arabia who participated in 9-11. Uh, the evidence is pretty clear. The Obama administration opposes the bill. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. I don't know how you can uh, campaign in New York, especially New York City, and 
and not say you support that bill. By the way, Trump in uh, Staten Island, that's where my great uncle landed. Landed there in 1923, and I'm not sure he ever left. I mean, like, ever. Stayed in Staten Island. Uh, And then finally, I want to bring you this story. Uh, We get all excited when Canadians are mentioned in American media. And, you know, we'll get into some of that with J.J. McCullough in a minute as he talks about Justin Trudeau's quantum computing skills. (laughs) Lots of American media looking at uh, what appears to be a setup for publicity reasons to make Trudeau look good and a complicit media. Anyway, the fa- GQ has put out their list of the top good-looking men, the most stylish men. There's a bunch of Canadian names on here, not just JT. GQ has named its most stylish men in the world, and it's a mix of actors, recording artists, athletes, and a world leader. For instance, Drake and One Direction star Harry Styles make the cut. NBA star Russell Westbrook and NFL wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. are cited as dressing well. As for actors, Eddie Redmayne, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy, Aziz Ansari, and Ryan Reynolds are lauded for their sense of style. And Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is dubbed the Prime Minister of Suave. David Blaustein, ABC News. Uh, Drake, they're playing his song all the way through. Ryan Reynolds listed in there. Not bad, boys. Not bad at all. Well, stick around. When we come back, a different type of American media interest in our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Did he stage an attempt to show how nerdy, how geeky he is when he uh, answered a question last week? Actually, he didn't answer the question he was asked. He gave a pre-recorded answer to a question nobody was really asking. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So you probably heard about this um, late last week. Justin Trudeau knows something about computers. Computer poop poop. Uh, he was in Waterloo uh, at the University of Waterloo there. I forget the name of the institute that he was at. Maybe J.J. McCullough will be able to tell us. He'll join us in just a minute. But I want to play the clip of of Trudeau. He, he was making remarks as he's... Announcing some government funding for this or that, and says, "I really hope that some reporter asks me about the the the, the quantum computing." And well, a reporter didn't ask him about it. They said, oh, "I was going to ask you about that, uh, sir, but um, you know, really, I want to ask you about ISIL and Canada's mission." Blah blah. Well, instead of going on ISIL, here's what Trudeau said. Very simply, normal computers work uh, by. Uh, don't, don't interrupt me. When you walk out of here, you will know more. No, some of you will know far less about quantum computing, but most of you, normal computers work uh, either there's power going through a wire or not. It's one or a zero. They're binary systems. Uh, what quantum states allow for is much more complex information to be encoded into a single bit. Regular computer bit is either one or zero, on or off. A 
quantum state can be much more complex than that because, as we know, uh, things can be both particle and wave at the same time, and the uncertainty around quantum uh, states uh, allows us to encode more information into a much uh, smaller computer. So uh, that's what's exciting about quantum computing. And that's yeah. And the media was cheering the hardest. They were like my mother at a Herman's Hermits concert. They're like my mother at a Herman's Hermits concert circa 1963. For goodness sakes. Now I'm going to read to you the actual question that was asked. And I don't know which reporter this was. Morning, sir. I was going to ask you to explain quantum computing, but... And then the transcript says, trails off as audience laughs. His real question was, when do you expect Canada's ISIL mission to begin again, and are we not doing anything in the interim while we prepare? And then Trudeau said what you heard there. Was that a setup? Was he just trying to make himself look good? Well, J.J. McCullough says yes. He is a political cartoonist, political commentator, joins me now from Vancouver. J.J., what made you say, hey, there's something fishy about this? Well, I think it it should be pretty obvious. I mean, I've been following Justin Trudeau's rise to power, and he's never struck me as a particularly intelligent or thoughtful man. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it. So basically, when this meme comes around that Justin Trudeau is actually this, like, super genius who can school a reporter on, you know, the nuances of quantum computing, my first instinct was like, well, that seems wrong to me. I am very suspicious of this. Uh, allegations. So I did what I assume most reporters should do, which is I went to the tape. I looked at the tape. I looked at the transcript. I looked at I looked at the context in which this, you know, comment was made. And what I found was that it was a completely different context than what so much of the press, both Canadian and uh, international, had been reporting. And I found out, as you said, that Justin Trudeau had gone on this tour in which he had learned about this particular sort of computing science. He had demanded basically in his speech that someone asked him about it so he could show off his knowledge. And then when the reporter didn't ask him, he launched into this sort of pre-rehearsed little soliloquy about it anyway. And And the actual headline, I, I can run down them right now from when it happened before you started pointing out the problems with this. Uh, I'll just read you global news. PM Justin Trudeau gives reporter a quick lesson on quantum computing. CBC, PM schools reporter on quantum computing during press conference. Uh, let's see. The Verge, Canadian Prime Minister, schools journalists in how quantum computers work. It, it goes yeah. on and on like that, that um, uh, Justin Trudeau gives sarcastic reporter a quick lesson in quantum computing. No, he, yes. he wanted this. This yeah, was a yeah. setup. Yeah. So the entire premise of the mainstream media's reporting on this is completely false. So the, the, the premise of all these stories that you were just reciting was that, like, the reporter unprovoked sort of is calling Trudeau's bluff. You know, like the mean old reporter who thinks Justin Trudeau is some idiot asks him, like, this snarky question, like, well, I'd like to talk about quantum computing, but clearly you're not equipped to do so, Mr. Prime Minister. But, like, that was not the context in which it happened at all. So Justin Trudeau, like, did not call the guy's bluff. He did not, like, you know, slap him down or anything like that. He was talking about something that he had just learned about and was excited. Like when you hear Trudeau uh, say his comments, he he literally says, like, I really hope somebody asks me about quantum computing. Like he is like bouncing off the walls, just a bundle of energy, can't wait to talk about this. So now I I know I know he's a geek and he would be excited by that. He is an admitted geek. 
He's uh, a big Star Trek fan, huge Star Wars fan. Uh, he, he, I, I guess, has some interest in in quantum computing, uh, or, or at, least, at least enough to get excited there. But he's talked about being a geek at, at different points. So, uh, sure, he's excited, but it's not as if he is an expert in this. And it's not as if this was not him begging reporters to ask him. I love how the NDP put it. One of their press people tweeted out that George Smith, he said, Prime Minister begs reporters to ask question. Reporters dutifully oblige. Trudeau gives rehearsed answer. And then something about the media just you know lapping it up, which is what happened. Yeah, that's basically – well, I mean, I, I think in fairness to the reporter, he didn't really want to play along. And that's a vital part of the story that's not really being discussed, right? So, it's, I mean, you know, you could imagine in any other context a prime minister, like, not answering a question that was asked of him and instead going off on some completely irrelevant tangent. Because let's be frank, we nobody really cares about quantum computing. Nobody cares what prime minister – Trudeau's opinion is on it one way or another. This was sure, purely a sort of PR exercise in which the prime minister could demonstrate his own knowledge of this topic in order to help alleviate a liability that he has, which is that people do not perceive him as being a particularly intellectually substantial man. I mean, you could not have asked for a better sort of PR uh, campaign than this one, him being at a literal center for theoretical physics, standing in front of a blackboard covered with equations. You know, he had just met with Steve or just spoke to Stephen Hawking. He was standing with all of these other eminent scientists. And the fact is, is that the reporter, the, the media just played right into that. He could, if he had paid like a PR expert to like orchestrate a campaign to improve this liability of his intelligence, it could not have possibly gone any better. The what do you think this says about the media in this country? Um, I, I believe in in one uh, one post that you put up, you referred to it as the North Koreaification. <laughs> what, uh, yeah, what, what word did you use? Yeah, I said it was the sort of the North Koreanification of of Canadian political reporting. Okay. And I mean, like you know, I, I'm not saying that obviously Justin Trudeau is <laughs> so, leading some hold, sort of hold you on, know, are, communist. Are, 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 are we soon going to have just uh, picture galleries of of Justin Trudeau pointing at things? We, are, <laughs> we already have CBC and the Globe and Mail both doing repeated stories on his socks. So I don't yeah. think we're far <laughs> off here. Well, see, like, this is the thing, right? So it's like one of the defining characteristics of a sort of third world despotism is often that the leader of these countries is not a particularly impressive person. So you look at like Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il or Saddam Hussein, like they're kind of like schlubby, kind of dopey people that are not terribly impressive. And yet sort of the, the news media in these countries, oh, they go on and on about how this person is actually the greatest man who ever lived. And he's so brilliant. And, you know, the top scientists of the world all consult him. And, you know, he can swim a mile in a minute and, you know, straight shoot from a thousand miles away and like all of this kind of nonsense. And I just kind of feel like some of that is starting to happen in Canadian media in which we're getting a lot of stories that, as you said, just straight up report on how wonderful the prime minister is, how handsome he is, how smart he is, how the world loves him and this kind of stuff. And that that troubles me a lot because it shows that the press is not really engaging with this government in a cynical or jaded way in the way that I feel responsible journalists should. Responsible journalists should always be skeptical of power and should not take things like photo ops or PR stunts on face value. They certainly didn't do it for the previous government. 
Oh, definitely not. Now, at the top of the hour, I'm going to be detailing how Trudeau was speaking to a union today that spent half a million dollars to try and help get him elected. That story is not being told by the media party today, J.J. It's not. Speaking with J.J. McCullough, a political commentator and political cartoonist from Vancouver about what he calls the North Koreanification. I have trouble with that word of Canadian media. But I'm going to give you some more ammunition. So I already mentioned the, the sock thing. Right. Yep. So you, you can take this and build off of it. You know, so yeah. we got quantum physics, the sock thing. And then do you remember a couple of years ago or a couple of uh, a week or two ago, all the stories of a three year old picture of him balancing, doing some yoga move? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, I mean, it really is like you said, he, he can shoot straight at 2000 uh, yards. He, yeah. he can balance. Yay. Oh, and he does baby <laughs> tricks. Yeah, no, that's true. The baby tricks. That's another good one, isn't it? I'm, I'm actually working on a, a, a sort of follow-up piece about this, and I was sort of mining for other examples. Uh, Justin Trudeau cuddling the baby pandas at the Toronto Zoo. Like the Toronto or the uh, CBC did a, just a straight-up news story on that that added nothing. It was just Prime Minister cuddles with baby pandas. End of story. They've done uh, coverage when he yeah, dressed me, up me- his family as... Meanwhile, I bet if you go back and you found the, uh, the the Stephen Harper cuddling with panda story because he did it as well, and I don't blame yeah. politicians for wanting their pictures taken with pandas, but I bet there was something in there about Stephen Harper not raising human rights issues or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, somebody somebody point directed me to a CBC story that was discussing when the prime when Prime Minister Harper was, uh, you know, belting out tunes on the piano as he would want to do. And there was like all of this analysis from, you know, reader feedback and stuff saying like, does this actually improve his image? You know, some readers say yes, some readers say no, some people are skeptical and blah, blah, blah. You know, like the fact is, is that, you know, and I don't think that's irresponsible. I think that's appropriate. I think that when a politician engages in a PR stunt, you don't play along. You don't just give them free coverage. You actually, if you're going to cover it, you engage with it in a somewhat critical fashion and you talk about what it represents and if it works or not or if people are going to go for it or not. But that doesn't happen with Trudeau's coverage. They literally just report on Trudeau does thing, period. And then that's what we're supposed to deal with. And I mean, part of it is the problem is that because he is such a celebrity and because he has particular appeal to, you know, liberals in the United States, there, I think a lot of people are just very sort of uh, canny about this and are just know that there is an appetite for, you know, Trudeau as dreamboat, Trudeau as sort of utopian progressive mascot character. And they're willing to sort of give that because they know it'll go viral and they know it'll get clicks. All right, uh, JJ, I got to cut it there, but uh, tell people quickly where they can find you. Yeah, just go to jjmccullough.com. You can read my essay on this, and I've got another one coming. All right. Thanks for the time, my friend. Uh, Don't go away. When we come back, we'll hear some more about uh, what's going on down at Queen's Park. You Things that shouldn't be happening. But also, where's the real attention? Brian Lilly, Beyond the News. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. On News Talk 580 CFRA. So last week, Kathleen Wynne started wagging her finger around and saying, ah, that Jack McLaren has to go from the Conservative caucus. He's almost out now. Meanwhile, Jack McLaren in trouble over bad jokes and bad judgment on the issue of testimonials on his website. Dumb moves, Jack. Both of them. Dumb moves. But meanwhile, this has become the issue that's being talked about at Queen's Park when, in reality, we should be talking about the corrupt premier. The premier who's been fundraising in unethical ways, whose deputy chief of staff was under investigation, who, 
she herself should be under investigation for bribing a candidate. And yet we're talking about Jack McLaren's bad jokes. Well, it's time for the replay, a little redux here. Keith Leslie on with Rob Snow. And Keith brought this very issue up in the course of their conversation. What did Patrick Brown announce today? Well, today, remember last week, he just did uh, basically a very minor demotion for uh, Mr. McLaren. He uh, he removed Mr. McLaren as the uh, Eastern Ontario caucus rep within the PC caucus, a position most of us didn't even really know existed. Uh, and so that was a real slap on the wrist. But uh, Mr. Brown said at the time, you know, he was going to gather all the facts about this alleged joke or these crude remarks that uh, Mr. McLaren told about uh, Liberal MP uh, McCrimmon at, at this uh, CARP fundraising event a couple of weeks ago. I guess last month now. It's a few weeks ago. And um, so in going to deal with that today, he said, okay, look, we're, we're going to take you further. You're going to lose your critic's job. He was a critic for the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry. And as well, I want you to go for sensitivity training. And as well, and this is kind of unique, Mr. Brown put in this statement, basically he sent Mr. McLaren to sit in the corner. He says, go back to your writing, stay away from the Ontario legislature until I determine you can come back, concentrate on your constituency work, and, and uh, get that sensitivity training done. So it's a real, basically, uh, go stand in the corner and stay out of my hair because you're causing me too much grief at Queen's Park type uh, punishment. I don't want to see you at the legislature. No, especially after last week. Remember, we haven't even talked about last week that Mr. McLaren got in trouble and he drew all the media attention, all the TV cameras, all of us reporters were chasing him around because he'd posted alleged testimonials from constituencies on his, uh, constituents on his website, but with fake pictures uh, that were apparently grabbed off the Internet at random and fake names as well. So he was you know, waiting around that. He's, he's diverting all the media attention. And as well, when it comes back to the, the, this this joke or these remarks about Karen McCrimmon, this is exactly the last thing that Patrick Brown wants to hear about the Progressive Conservative Party. He's trying to present a new, younger, more inclusive party, a modern party that reaches out to everyone. He's reaching out to the unions. He's reaching out to all the people who have been disenfranchised before. And, and, and to have someone telling, you know, a sexist old joke that doesn't belong anywhere in this century is exactly the last thing that he needs as he's trying to, you know, rebuild this party and show them that they're not the conservatives of old. And this is exactly the kind of thing that, you know, old conservatives would have done. Has to be very frustrating for the for the PC caucus to, to have to deal with this is it ever sideshow you know they really they're really yeah. quite frustrated because they had the liberals on the run since Easter basically every day we were all writing stories about the liberal fundraising scandal and how they're going to change the fundraising rules in Ontario but it really was for the most part looking bad on the liberals the liberals were on the ropes on this one changing their story every day and what sort of actions were going to be taken and then when this McLaren stuff started breaking it just sidetracked everything from them so it's, uh, yeah. it, it takes away from their just agenda issues that they're trying to drive forward here as I say it also takes away from them putting on you know a fresher newer more inclusive face on the party and i've talked to a couple today who are still not particularly happy uh they think mr mclaren quite frankly should have been removed from the caucus at least temporarily and these are pc these are pc mpps who despite mr clark's assertion that everyone is united behind mr brown's decision uh remember mr brown's off running the boston marathon today so he's not available to comment on it so we'll be asking him about it tomorrow for sure uh, you know exactly what was behind this, but the, the the conservatives I've talked to apparently they've all been ordered not to speak. Mr. Clark's the only one allowed to speak about this today, uh, and the others are not too happy about being muzzled or about the way it's being handled. So uh, yeah. uh, while well, Mr. And, Brown's I mean, taking action, the, I'm sorry, Keith. There, I mean there are there are party politics at play here as well because uh, let's face it, Jack McLaren, who comes from the landowners movement, 
was an early supporter of Patrick Brown's leadership bid uh, in Eastern Ontario PC politics. Uh, the landowners are trying to launch a nomination battle against Lisa McLeod, who's about the most popular progressive conservative in Easter, in all of Eastern Ontario. Uh, she was a supporter of Christine Elliott in her leadership bid, as were most PC MPPs at Queen's Park at the time. So there are all sorts of oh, moving parts to this, right? You've nailed it right there. I mean, Mr. Brown basically had, uh, in the early going, two supporters from the PC caucus. All the rest went to Christine Elliott, and one of them was Jack McLaren. So he absolutely owes McLaren for you know the, the loyalty for being there for him early. But uh, as you point out, you know, McLaren is organizing pretty much openly, although he won't admit it, against Lisa McLeod, organizing another candidate to run against her for the 2018 election. We're hearing he's doing the same perhaps for other uh, conservative MPPs as well. So he's becoming a real pain in Mr. Brown's side in one sense, organizing against these other MPPs. I don't know why you know, Mr. Brown would want to deal with that, but he does have this, this loyalty to him. But when, again, when we talk about Mr. Brown trying to put this fresh, younger face on the party, Lisa McLeod, a young woman with a young family, an urban woman, you know, very presentable, very good critic for the party in every file she's handled, versus Mr. McLaren, who's, what's he brought to the table? I mean, Ms. McLeod has brought an awful lot of more issues forward and bills forward that we can talk about here and have probably talked about on the air than Mr. McLaren has ever done around this place. Okay. Uh, what, what's hot this week, Keith? I mean, the, I was listening to uh, some of the question period this morning, and uh, this wasn't the big talker. There are, the big issue was um, patronage appointments, right? Yeah, and, and it really went nowhere. The Tories okay. were trying to make something about uh, the, the consumer minister trying to help a real estate guy get on the real estate board, but it really amounted to not very much. There's not right. a lot there that we can see. Uh, there's all kinds of you know patronage appointments that are done around all these ABCs, the agencies, boards, and commissions, but okay. there doesn't appear to have anything particularly out of line here. It was a weird day today in question period because neither Mr. Brown nor Ms. Horvath, the NDP leader, neither one of them was here. And, of course, the government doesn't get to ask questions, or they would have raised Mr. Brown's <laughs> disciplining of Mr. McLaren for sure, okay. but they can't ask themselves about that. All right. Good to hear from you, Sarah, as always. Thank it. you. Yeah, Take Keith care. Leslie, Canadian Press. Oh, well, I, I don't mean to correct Keith, but they could find an interesting way to ask. There's very interesting ways to get around that and asking your own people lob ball questions. What does the minister think of the behavior? Blah, blah. Yeah, might be ruled out of order by the speaker, but you get to mock him for a minute. Uh, When we come back, I want to get into an issue that I have alluded to a couple of times, and that's Justin Trudeau going to the IAFF meeting. This is the International Association of Firefighters. And he, he keeps highlighting this one issue. Well, I'm going to explain something to you about why the firefighters, why was he there? He was repaying a debt. You won't believe how much money they took from union dues to help Justin Trudeau get elected. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, back in moments. listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition the rebel himself beyond the news with brian lilly on news talk 580 cfra so i mentioned justin trudeau how i was speaking with jj mccullough about how he he's not covered properly in the media and he's truly not and what i'm going to tell you next is a great example 
of this. The man was at the annual political meeting of the um, International Association of Firefighters, the IAFF, earlier today. I was at, at the Delta Hotel here in Ottawa. He's there to give a speech. It's not really a speech. It's more a couple of remarks. Six minutes in total, he mentions unions twice and what they're, what he's doing for unions. Let's hear the first clip, and then I'll give you some context. Bill C-4 will repeal two previous bills, C-377 and C-525, that unfairly targeted unions like the IAFF, bills that unquestionably threatened to diminish and weaken the labor movement in our country. My friends, that kind of approach has no place in this century, and it has no place in our government. The government... Okay, so that's Justin Trudeau talking about things that He's doing. So Bill C-4, what's that doing for unions? This is the bill that repeals two previous bills supported by backbench conservative MPs. This is the context you're not getting from the rest of the media as they obsess over Trudeau's quantum physics comments, as they obsess over his happy socks. I was going to say I'm wearing happy socks today. No, they're just plain black today, but I had happy socks on yesterday. Fancy ones with a pattern and everything. Call the Globe Mail. So Trudeau goes and gives these remarks, brags about a bill that will remove the secret ballot for workers in federally regulated industries, and will also do away with the requirement that unions be open and transparent on how dues money is spent. So he's going to remove that because union bosses didn't like it. Overwhelmingly, union members and workers did. Poll after poll showed that union members wanted this type of legislation. He's bragging about this to the Firefighters Union, which is headquartered in Washington, D.C. Canadian firefighters are headquartered in Washington, D.C., because they're a member of the IAFF, which is a member of the American Federation of Labor. Since the late 1950s, American-based unions have had to report how dues money is spent. Thus, we know that National Headquarters sent $500,000 to Engage Canada for political activities. Do you remember Engage Canada? We'll have more out on their funds tomorrow. But do you remember Engage Canada? This was the super PAC that we knew had millions of dollars. They were active before the writ was dropped. June and July last year, they were putting ads out denouncing Stephen Harper. Their one goal, defeat Harper, replace Harper. The firefighters' union paid half a million dollars into that fund. There were others as well. To destroy 
the sitting government and replace them with someone more to their liking. Now, they didn't donate this money to the Liberal Party of Canada. That would be illegal. They just donated it to an organization that was going to spend a ton of money to end up with the same result. Why is this not being reported? Why is it not being reported that Justin Trudeau is going to speak to an organization that spent half a million dollars to get him elected? Yeah, that silence you're hearing, that's the rest of the Canadian media who can't be bothered to look up what's called an LM2 on the Department of Labor's website in the United States because they all have to file them. Instead, they'll just dutifully go and report what Justin Trudeau said on quantum physics or what he said about unions. As I said, he mentioned unions twice in a six-minute speech. Play the second clip. you a sense of what we've been able to accomplish so far. As I said, our government is just five months old, but I'm happy about the progress we've been able to make even in such a short time, putting an end to legislation that unfairly targets unions. Unfairly targets unions, as in tells their members how their dues money is being spent? This is not the first time, by the way, that Justin Trudeau has campaigned on this very issue in front of an American-based union. I believe he's done this with LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, which is, again, based in uh, Washington. I believe he's done this with the, was it the Carpenters Union that he did this with? These are all unions. There are a lot of Canadians who are members of unions that are required to report political donations. That's how we found out that the steelworkers were giving money to the NDP years ago. It's how we found out all kinds of things. But to Justin Trudeau and his cronies, having workers that are unionized know where the dues money goes is a bad thing because the union bosses we know will spend the dues money how they see fit. In the lead-up to the last election, Sid Ryan, the head of, then the head of the Ontario Federation of Labor, if they're smart, they've turfed him by now, but I try to pay as little attention to Sid as possible. Once manhandled my uh, colleague, Jackie Delaney, on air, with cameras rolling. So, Sid Ryan, head of the Ontario Federation of Labor, every unionized Ontario worker right across the province, paying to keep his tushy cushy, he admitted that at least 30% of union members in Ontario voted conservative. But no money went to conservative parties. No money went to conservative causes. He said it's our goal to change that, to convince them to do otherwise. If they actually apportioned the money according to how their members saw things, maybe there wouldn't be a problem, but they only support the most left-wing candidates they can get elected. So, let me bring this back to Canadian unions. We know about the firefighters sending half a million dollars to engage Canada to help Justin Trudeau get elected because they have to report in the United States. It was a few years ago that the Canadian Union of Public Employees, well, they had a leak. And I think they had the leak because 
there were disgruntled union members who were upset at how their money was being spent. I believe it was a quarter million dollars spent in Quebec. This is the Canadian Union of Public Employees spent to take down the Federalist Premier of Quebec and replace him with separatists. They were supporting the separatist cause through back channels. Do you think members were upset when they found out about that? You betcha. But the union bosses don't care because there's no accountability. They collect billions of dollars tax-free. These same organizations that call for an increase in your taxes, in my taxes, in corporate taxes, unions collect billions of dollars each year tax-free. It's also a tax deduction for the person paying the union dues. And then they turn around and they spend that money on the politics they see fit. And when members ask them about it, they're told to take a flying leap. My dad used to go and question all the time where the boilermakers were spending the money. And he was never satisfied with the answer. I've talked to members of the UFCW who have had to go to court to get their their union to open up about where the money was. I've talked to members of CUPE that have had to fight their unions. Even the NHL Players Association players had to take the union to court to find out where their dues money was going. This is the type of legislation that's needed in Canada, and instead Justin Trudeau is going to repeal it. He's going to go and pay homage to the people that helped get him elected, and the media is going to yawn and say there's no story here. Time to do another story on socks or quantum computing or baby holding or yoga moves. Go find your clickbait. Don't waste your time doing real journalistic work. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. News Talk 580 CFRA. with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Well, sad news today. Doris Roberts has passed away at the age of 90. She, um, trying to think of everything she's been in, best known as the mother on Everybody Loves Raymond. But, of course, uh, I think she was in Remington Steel. Uh, she was in countless movies. I'm going to look her up on Internet Movie Database while uh, while we listen in. But uh, just a, a quick tribute, quick obit for Doris Roberts. Doris Roberts is best known for playing Raymond Barone's mother, Marie, on the hit TV show Everybody Loves Raymond. You smacked me! I know I did. I- I'm sorry. What do you do that for? It sounds like you're becoming just like your father. In a 2000 interview, I asked Roberts how she saw her role on that program. If you can laugh at me as that, you know, crazy Marie, you can laugh at your own mother, and that's what it's about. Doris Roberts won five Emmys in her career, four for Everybody Loves Raymond, and one for a guest appearance on St. Elsewhere. Bill Deal, ABC News. All right. She was in Remington Steel. She was also in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, She's got one movie completed that hasn't come out yet. 
two in post-production and one, it says, in pre-production. So uh, Old Soldiers, she's likely not to appear in that. But I'm just scrolling through list after list of the different movies and TV shows that she's appeared in over the years. Hot in Cleveland, she was in for a little while. She was in the middle. Uh, She was in Special Agent also. Uh, Law and Order, she would make appearances in. Just an amazing actor and uh, great character actor, for sure. So rest in peace, Doris Roberts. I'm going to open up the phone lines early tonight, and I'd like your take either on what I was talking about with both J.J. McCullough and my rant about Trudeau and the unions, the lack of media attention on what he's really up to, or I want to bring up this story. There is a family in Norway that has had their five children taken away from them, including a baby. And if you live in Canada and you're a parent, then you have to wonder about this. They've got two little boys aged five and two, a three-month-old baby son, and two daughters aged eight and ten. Child Protective Services in Norway picked up the two girls from school one day and took them without notifying the parents. They then showed up and took the two older boys. The next day they came and they took the three-month-old baby. Why? It turns out that the parents, who are named Ruth and Marius, sometimes engage in corporal punishment. The mother says that, yes, she does spank her children sometimes. Not all the time, she says. Um, Not every time when they do something bad, more occasionally. She adds, they didn't find any physical marks or anything like that. When they had medical examination on them, they were all fine. But the law in Norway, it is very clear until the smallest detail. It is not allowed of any physical correction. And we have never been aware that it was this strict. So here's some parents that are engaged in spanking children, something that I had done to me, that I've done to my own children. Countless parents have engaged in for various reasons because it's a tool that parents have. And I'm not talking about beating, but about spanking. Well, are we going to see this sort of thing in Canada's not-too-distant future? In response to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which called for an outline of all corporal punishment because of abuse, and abuse and spanking are not the same thing, because of abuse at residential schools, there was a call for outline all corporal punishment. There's already very strict rules on spanking. Very strict. But now the call is to outlaw it like Norway. It's a parent that spanks their child, hits them on the bottom, taps their hand as they go to reach for something hot. Is that parent going to be facing potential jail time? I bet when they outlawed spanking in Norway, somebody suggested this could be the case, and they were tutted that this wouldn't happen. And now it is. No evidence of child abuse. No evidence of neglect. No evidence of harm. But five children ripped from their parents because of corporal punishment, because of spanking. Where do you stand on this issue? When we come back, 
I'll tell you a very personal story, very personal story of why I support spanking. Again, not abuse, but spanking and how it kept my youngest son alive. I honestly, I do question whether he would or would not be alive if he weren't afraid of spanking because he wasn't afraid of anything else. I'll give you the details of that when we come back. But if you want to call in, 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, 1-800-580-CFRA. You want to email me? It's beyondthenews at CFRA.com. We'll open up the phone lines early tonight. Many of you have been asking for that. We'll do it tonight. Call in now. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Hey, Ma, I have nothing to eat over there. You said you were making me dinner. I don't cook anymore. Doris Roberts, star of film and television playing the mother on Everybody Loves Raymond for so many years, uh, one of the parents in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, key aide in Remington Steel. Do you remember Remington Steel? Back before Pierce Brosnan became James Bond, he was the spy Remington Steel. Well, he wasn't really the spy. But I don't want to give anything away in case you haven't watched it. <gasps> Doris Roberts passing away today at age 90. I didn't realize that she was that old. But um, what a great comedic wit she was. Amazing comedic timing. Just amazing. She will be missed. Asking you, um, I guess this is appropriate. It was Everybody Loves Raymond. And um, it was about family. And it was about raising children. Where do you sit on the issue of Spanking. Couple in Norway have had their five children taken away from them because they spanked them. Again, the mother says not all the time, not every time they do something bad, just once in a while. Where do you stand on that issue? Because the Truth and Reconciliation Commission said we need to ban spanking. We need to ban all forms of corporal punishment. And Justin Trudeau said he will adopt every recommendation. Some of them he can't actually do, but this one he can. There are recommendations that call for the Pope to apologize. He can't do anything about that. There are recommendations about provincial jurisdiction. He can't do anything on that. But the recommendation on banning corporal punishment, he absolutely can do it. Where do you come down on this? I'll tell you a story about my, uh, my youngest son. He was, well, he still is a bit of an adrenaline junkie. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw a photo of him out at the gun range yesterday firing off some rifles. And uh, I want to thank Mike for his time and patience in taking myself and my two boys out to the range yesterday. An amazing time. He's a very patient man, very patient with the boys and with me. I only mildly broke his SKS and the sights, but, you know, it was fixable. It was completely fixable. It's not like the time I busted an M1 at that same range, but that's another story. 
So Jamie is an adrenaline junkie, and he he's type of hyper kid that constantly running around. Very stereotypical active boy. And when he was little, we'd take him to the school bus drop-off zone and pickup zone to uh, accompany us when he was putting uh, his older brother and older sister on the school bus. And the, the twins would be with myself or they'd be with my wife or both or what have you. And he would run around and he would run out into the street and thought it was hilarious to run in front of cars and trucks. And we would try and explain to him in very uh, straightforward terms that running in front of cars and trucks, you can die. Don't do this. You can die. And he would giggle and laugh because it's three, three years old. Does a three-year-old really understand death? Tried everything we could to get him to stop attempting to run out into the street. When you got four kids and two hands, it can be difficult. And you think you've got your eye on them and suddenly one of them squirms away and boom, he's off giggling and thinking it's hilarious. Don't run in front of the trucks. They'll run you over. You'll die. Doesn't quite understand. Then I threatened him with spanking, which he knew what that was. All of a sudden, he was afraid of that because he could understand it. He could not understand, don't run in front of trucks. To him, it was a fun game. He didn't know why I wanted him to stop it. When I told him that if he did it again, he'd get his bum spanked, he stopped. He feared spanking more than being run over by a Mack truck. And yes, there were trucks that big going up and down the road that we were on. I can honestly say he may not be alive today if it were not for my ability to use that tool in my belt. Now, is spanking always the appropriate punishment for a child? No. Some kids, you look at them, raise an eyebrow, and they melt. Others, you use words. Others, you ground. But some kids, once in a while, yes, it is the appropriate response because it is something that they can understand. Have the punishment fit the crime, though. If we take away and I forget the section of the Constitution or the criminal code, sorry, that um, protects parents who engage in corporal punishment. But if you take it away, you take away the ability of parents to be hands-on with their children at all while disciplining them. I have long used this example. Imagine a screaming toddler in the grocery store. They ask for candy. You say no. They throw themselves down on the floor and start kicking and screaming and making a scene. If you don't want to engage in spanking, that's fine. And most parents are not going to spank their child in the middle of the grocery store. But I've spoken to some of the activists on this file that want to do away with corporal punishment, and I have been told that the relationship between adults and children should be the same as it is between two adults that you shouldn't be able to do anything to a child that you can't do to an adult. So that your child is screaming and kicking on the floor. You pick the child up and take them out of the store 
and you take them to the car for them to cool down and for them to understand that this is not acceptable behavior. And you strap them into the car seat and you wait. You are guilty of assault. You are guilty of assault because what you have done does not fall into, well, I wouldn't be allowed to do that to you. If you were kicking and screaming and just throwing a tantrum because you couldn't have candy, and I picked you up and carried you out to my car, that would be forcible confinement. That would be assault. That would be all kinds of things. Do we want to go that route? Or do we want to stop abuse? Again, two very different things. Where do you come down on this issue? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Meanwhile, speaking of children, I look to my right, and the Twitter machine is going. And there is an ongoing conversation among the CFRA nation on the issue of street hockey. And I can't believe that this has come up again because we've dealt with this issue as a city before. And yet we've got counselors chiming in and saying, no, no to street hockey. This is something that the city has dealt with before and came down on the right side. When we come back, we'll play a little bit of Shad uh, Chowdhury earlier today talking to, I, I think it was Evan Solomon, saying that, no, no, you can't have this. I remember Nepean being mocked over regulations like this. But what kid did not at some point play a game in the street, street hockey, what have you? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Let me know what you think on these or any topics. Uh, Been asked to open up the phone lines early. We're opening up the phone lines, folks. It's your time on the, the show. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. You want to email me? You're shy? Well, that doesn't help a talk show. But it's beyond the news at CFRA.com. My name's Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News, back in moments. Listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Reading during the break a really good piece uh, by Michelle Rempel. MP from Calgary, conservative MP, talking about the everyday sexism, that's her term, the everyday sexism that she's had to experience on Parliament Hill from other MPs, from staff, all kinds. I'll read some of it to you in a little while, but this is your part of the show. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Anybody have thoughts on Justin Trudeau going to speak to a union that ha- gave $500,000 to help get him elected? Hmm? Going to the firefighters' union to repay a debt, I say. 
521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Uh, let's go to Rachel in Ottawa calling in about spanking and road hockey. Are, are these the same activity? Or you, do you combine them, Rachel? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm phoning to give you feedback because I had a child like you were describing your son. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spanked her twice in, in the life. And the ones uh, that I did with a snowsuit, she had a snowsuit on, and I'm not exactly the Hulk. So I, <laughs> I gave her a couple on the hiney, right? Yeah. And it was over the issue of the road, and I and I ha- I told her, you have to walk right beside me, not behind me, not in front of me. And there was no room for a no, and there was a, no time for challenges, right? The following day, I was out of Toronto. Had she, Had I not spanked her... She was walking right beside me. A car cuts us off. If she had been a foot in front of me, she would have been hit. Yeah. So it saved her life. And, and, and look, my, my boy doesn't—he doesn't get spanked at all anymore. But um, it, it wasn't such a regular occurrence for him. I know parents can lose it. I know I've lost it. But I—I I, I worry as we talk about saying you can't ever—you can never do this that will end up like Norway, where parents are having their children taken away, not for abusing them, but for, for something else. Well, you know, count on it, the way Canada's going. I, you know, like the second issue, I mean, I was listening to the radio today, and, you know, uh, different things have come up, like the road hockey and bylaws and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's driving me crazy. Who is introducing these things? Get rid of these counselors. Haven't they got something better to do, like solve serious problems in this country? Well, I, I think the bylaw on road hockey has been on the books for a long time, and they just um, they decided to ignore it to a degree, unless there's a problem. And I guess if there's a problem that like cars can never get down the street because there's always games on, then fine, go in and, and deal with that. But that wasn't the case out in Stittsville. Well, you know, the thing is, what are you doing living in the neighborhood if you hate the kids? Move. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you have one of those uh, one of those neighbors that would keep the ball if it went on their lawn? First thing I told my grandson was, remember, this is the rule. Every neighborhood has a grouch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Rachel. Okay, good evening, though. All right, let's go to Diane in Stittsville. Diane, are you playing uh, road hockey tonight? No, but if the children are on the street, they generally move over or pull their net over. Um, Car. So no, no problem. Um, I'm going to talk about discipline. Uh, when my, I'm the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after school care for grandchildren, and the four- or five-year-old, I had to pick her up and take her up to her bedroom, didn't close the door, and then 10 or 15 minutes later, she would come down and behave. Now, recently, I had they slept over at my house overnight. They're 8 and 10 uh, girls and um, got arguing in the back seat. So I just pulled into the shopping mall, and we sat in the car for 10 minutes. And, uh, uh, you know, generally speaking, I have no problem with them. Take them to the, the shopper's drug mart, and I tell them before I go in, I'm not buying you anything. I'm getting stamps. Mm-hmm. They don't ask me. They know they, generally speaking, they listen to me because they know that Grammy means what she says. 
You know what? One of the biggest things, consistency. Yeah. That's what I always found, consistency. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you say don't do this or don't do A or B will happen, you better be willing to go to B. Otherwise, next time you'll say don't do A or B will happen, and they'll just think to themselves, ha, yeah, right. Yeah, follow through exactly. every time. All right. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Thanks for the call, Diane. Bye. Let's go to – before I hit the button, I was talking about the launch of Sun News five years ago today. And on the day that Sun News launched, this man delivered pizza to the offices at the corner of Bank and Queen. Guy, the Capital Voice. I do remember that day, Brian, and that's what I'd like to talk about tonight. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Sure. And, and maybe turn it around a bit. Um, over the five years that I avidly watched uh, Sun News, as many in the CRA, CFRA nation are listening tonight have as well, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. We had a, There was a lot of great interviews at the expense of the, the politicians. But what, for you, Brian, were the high points in your interviews, the Ezra escapades? And could you maybe just throw it out there, maybe to the listeners too, what was their best Sun clip or where did you think, where did you, Brian, feel you did your best work? My best work, I would say uh, I always like sit-down interviews. And a sit-down interview is different than a quick 10-minute chat or just a, a quick phone interview. But you're, you're out there and you're sitting down with a politician, be it Stephen Harper. Uh, I interviewed the Israeli Foreign Affairs Minister, Dick Cheney. I did a very long interview with In him. In Alberta. I remember that. Edmonton uh, no, at the convention. Uh, no. Uh, Dick Cheney, I, got, I, I flew out to Vancouver, oh, Vancouver for that yeah. one. They called me and they said, you're going to Vancouver to interview Dick Cheney. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But I got to meet great people. Um, going to CPAC a couple of times, the big conservative political action conference in Washington. Both of those trips, oh, fantastic. But... Uh, and uh, but also you know the fun ones, guy like uh, interviewing uh, country musicians, um, Dallas uh, Smith and Brett Kissel, people like that. Ezra with his chainsaw, remember that one? I do, but I wasn't there for that, so I yes. got to watch it like the rest of you. But that was a lot of fun. And I, for the Ezra Pades, I would say uh, going into Occupy, uh, yes, Occupy Toronto with Warmington. Yeah, they, that? they took in a heat light and they showed that the tents were empty. <laughs> that was classic. We already knew that in other cities, some of the organizers who said they were sleeping outside in New York, they were staying at the W Hotel. So we got word that they were staying at, I think, the Sheraton near St. James Park in Toronto, went down and in um, showcase that this was just a complete farce. So well, I must say, too, when the uh, decision came down from the CRTC, I believe it was in November of 2014, and uh, uh, Aboriginal People's Television Network, with 4% of Canadians being of Aboriginal background, got carriage fees, and Sun News, possibly representing up to 39% of the Conservatives who don't have anything in this country anymore, did not get granted carriage fees I think that was probably uh, was that was that the end, Brian? Or tell us tell us a little bit about it, the end. It was uh, that was kind of the beginning of the end. We knew that things were uh, were going to wind down after that. Uh, was it the carriage fees? If you would have got the carriage fees, could have you could you have been sustainable? Uh, yeah, I think so. But it was com- a combination of things, and this is the problem with the big regulated industry that we have uh-huh. is that uh, a combination of 
the CRTC puts a mandate on stations, and they do it to all the stations. They they do it to the the, the big guys as well, uh, and that increases cost for production. It increases cost for compliance. You've right. got to produce so many hours of Canadian content. You've got to provide so many hours of this for your license. Well, Canadian news content is among the most expensive things to produce. So they required of us a level of production that did not meet our distribution because on a specialty channel, you're paid by how many homes you're in, how many subscribers you have. Yeah. And so if you don't get the carriage, you don't get the the 10 cents or the 15 cents per home. It, mm-hmm. Some channels get dollars per homes. Most get pennies per home. And uh, we, we were required to produce more Canadian content than our carriage agreements would allow us to do, and that was the death of it. Could you comment on, at the end, if uh, Carl Pelado was in negotiations with the rumored uh, Moses Neimer to pick it up and keep it alive. Was there any? Oh yeah, to that rumor? yeah. No, there absolutely was. There was and, I was uh, hoping for that. And uh, and I I've met with Moses. Uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll tell you up front. I was on uh, the phone with people in New York and Washington trying to raise money. Really? Uh, the day that they announced. So the Thursday, it, the news broke the night before. I was trying to. Um, Ezra was doing the same thing. We were trying to to find uh, people with cash, and uh, time ran out. So. It, uh, I'm not sure that the business model was there anymore. The media world's changing, and we'll continue to well, see that. But I'm, I'm a radio continues. Subscriber, and I'm a proud paywall subscriber. And anytime you want a pizza, Lily, you just call me. <laughs> Thanks for the call, guy. When we come back, more of your calls on Trudeau, on Dick Cheney, on spanking and street hockey. I'm Brian Lilly. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So Guy was asking about the whole Sun News thing and and best moments. And let me just say that as a reporter, as a commentator, your best moments are when you affect some kind of change. And, and I've had this many times over the years. Um... I'll stretch it back to when I was you know, essentially covering City Hall for CFRA back in the day. And I got a scoop that something the city was looking at doing something silly. Let's just put it this way. And I got the story. We broke it on Maidley in the morning at 6 o'clock. Lowell knew about it. Lowell went on it at 9 I walked into City Hall, and a counselor who's still there and and still talks to me walked up and said, you, and then he uttered a bunch of words that I, I couldn't, uh, can't say on the radio, because the city was going to do something stupid. The exposure on CFRA essentially shut it down. We affected change, and that, that feels good. Uh, stop the city from wasting your money. That feels good. A couple of other quick examples. Um, when the conservatives got rid of the uh, long gun registry, the chief firearms officers decided that they were going to have a backdoor gun registry. But again, this goes back to Chris Sims. I worked closely with Chris Sims on that one for weeks. 
and eventually pushed them back so that the chief firearms officers were no longer doing what Parliament had just told them not to do. And then the last one, the Conservatives didn't want to tell us about the war criminals living among us. Remember they had this uh, announcement about so many people on wanted lists in Canada, and it included wanted war criminals. Well, we pushed for that. We pushed to say, uh, hello, who are these war criminals? We can't tell you who the war criminals are. That would violate their privacy. We we can't violate the privacy of wanted war criminals. Pushed and pushed and pushed. Eventually, they released the most wanted list. And then, because they realized the public didn't like the idea of keep protecting the privacy of war criminals, they put out a news release every time they arrested one of these guys. That's the fun. That's the joy. That's the type of change that you can push for. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Archie in Ottawa calling in about Monsieur Trudeau. Hello, Archie. Did Archie go away? Okay, we'll try him back in a minute. Let's go to uh, Wade in Ottawa. Wade, you're on Beyond the News. (laughs) It's an easy answer, isn't it? Car. But, you know, to be honest with you, um, I'm going back about 40 years, um, 52, so less traffic, less cars on the road. It was much simpler life back then. I can understand maybe a little more traffic today where you got to be a little more uh, attentive, let's say. But, uh, no, it, it's the way of life for Canada. I mean, probably Gretzky played uh, road hockey when he started. Now, I can understand people being upset, and I'm looking at a, a photo of what was done in Stittsville. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four cones yeah. at the intersection, plus this big thing in the middle saying children playing. So there's five things blocking the street. It's not just a a hockey net that the kid's going to pick up and move quickly if a car comes down the road. Yeah, you're right. It'll, so yeah, it's more like a potential more of an accident than anything else. The fact is, these parents, I think, went too far with this. But yeah, the idea that the idea the that kids the cannot play in the street ever is is ludicrous. I agree, and then the road should not be an obstacle, of course, uh, against the pylons and what have you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if somebody, if someone, if I lived on this street and someone was coming to visit me, yeah, it would take a couple minutes to clear that away. Now. You know, the, right. the the original claim was, well, if an ambulance had to get down, if an ambulance ran over that, it wouldn't affect anything and it wouldn't even injure the, the obstacles. So it's a ridiculous argument. But people need to, to find compromise. And instead, we run to politicians to say, fix this for us. Yeah, that, that's not going to work. But uh, before you cut me off, because I know you got other callers. I'm not going to cut you off. You got a thoughts on spanking, Wade? I do. Um, actually, I, I just... I spoke to my daughter, she's uh, 21, and I said, daughter, did I ever spank you? She says, no. I never spanked her as a child. I had the, I was the, uh, sort of like the high eyebrow, a uh, couple of choice words. I wasn't the physical spanking. Uh, well, I've got one that responds to that. You, you raise an eyebrow and you frown at her and she melts. Yeah. But here's the oxymoron, believe it or not. She, uh, in the next two, three weeks, 
will have a full-time job with the uh, CSA, Children's Aid Society. She wants to work with troubled children. So I'm, I'm pretty blessed with that. Oh, good for her. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I remember uh, my oldest okay. being put into a timeout once. And he'd been spanked a couple times, but you said trying to say, okay, let's move away from that. We'll do timeouts. And he's sitting there. He's eight years old, and they say one minute for each year of age. That's right. And at about the five-minute mark, he looks at me and says, can we go back to spanking? That's right. There's a this is taking, the this is taking right. too long. That's right. <laughs> There's my thoughts, and uh, great show. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Wade. Good. All right, let's check in and see if Archie's back. Archie, did you go to the fridge? Are you there? Okay. I think Archie fell asleep on the phone. I think. I don't know. Hmm. All right, Peter in Ottawa, you're calling in about Dick Cheney. Yeah, Brian, um, I'm kind of curious to, to hear, uh, to know, you know, the kind of questions that you uh, put to Mr. Cheney. I mean, I, I used to enjoy watching him on television when he was interviewed in the States. Uh, he always had these very calm and cogent uh, arguments that he would uh, put forward, and he was very persuasive. Uh, wasn't challenged very much, but um, and he's been in government, you know, since the '60s. And I think now, with with the way that the Iraq thing turned out, and uh, the criticism that Bush Senior has leveled at him for sort of not serving his son very well, uh, anyway. Uh, just kind of curious as to what you talked about and how you how you what was your measure of them. I I don't think I could tell you which questions I asked him. I might be able to find the interview online, but I haven't watched it and I hadn't thought about it for a long time until tonight. But what I can tell you, you asked me about the measure of him. I was surprised because I expected. Um, yeah, you know, as you say, he'd been in public service a long time. He'd been in various administrations over the years. Yeah. I expected someone who would be gruff and maybe a little surly and to the point. Very, uh, very humbly seemed. Very nice. Right. Of course, right. I was meeting him at a time when he had a, he had custom suits made to hold the apparatus that was keeping him together. I mean, I'm not saying he was Darth Vader. Uh, but he, he opened up his suit jacket, and he showed me this. He pulled open his suit jacket, and he had heart trouble, and there's all these things attached to him. I don't know what they all did, but it was related to his heart, his breathing, <laughs> everything else, and, and, and that held the different elements together for him and allowed him to still dress like a, a gentleman of his stature. So wow. he, he, was, he was not who I expected. Let's put it that way. Very nice, very kind, very humble. That was oh, not I, what I, I expected of Dick Cheney on the way out there. But he was doing a book tour of his uh, biography, and I remember we talked uh, about that. And um, one of the things that um, that I learned from from Steve Madeley, uh, who, whether he knows it or not, was a great mentor to me, is that when you're doing an interview with someone and, and uh, they're your guest, you don't beat them over the head. So I think a lot of people would like to see me have punched Dick Cheney uh, verbally, and, that, and that's not, if I had an interview with Justin Trudeau tomorrow, that's not how I would do it. Yeah, so I, I take it you interviewed him when he was uh, late in his second term, or he was on Oh, no, th- th- this was uh, September 2011. Okay. So he, he was well out of office by then. He'd been out of office, what, uh, almost 
three, almost three full years at that point. Yeah, and I, I think I misspoke earlier. Uh, it was actually um, uh, Bush Senior actually criticized Donald Rumsfeld uh, uh, very harshly. Oh, did he? Okay, because I, I don't remember Dick Cheney being criticized, and both of them had um, had dealings with both Bush Junior and Bush Senior over the years. That's right. No, it was Rumsfeld that that came in. It was that was recently, it was about two months ago that uh, that uh, he was blasted by George Bush Senior hmm. uh, for for being being totally inflexible as, as to the approach uh, with Iraq. And uh, anyway, uh, a great show. And then thanks for your, uh, thanks for your time. I think if you do want to find it, I just did a quick Google search. If you just Google Brian Lilly and Dick Cheney, uh, you, the, the interview is up there and including a full 31 minute version. I didn't realize I'd talked to him that long, but apparently I did. Thanks for the there call, Peter. All right. Uh, you want to join in on the conversation? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. All right. Let you in on a little secret of what I'm doing. I'm emailing Richard Madden from CTV News to see if he can come on the radio tomorrow because he's down in New York City for the, uh, the primaries that they're having tomorrow. And I'm going to be... And my plan, anyway, is to be in upstate New York tomorrow morning to check out some of the primary voting. Uh, Two very different parts of a very large state. So we'll see if we can get Richard on tomorrow and and just talk, compare notes, see what's going on. You've heard about, you know, Bernie Sanders is now uh, complaining that the the Democratic National Committee and, and Hillary Clinton are violating rules and Trump's claiming that Cruz is violating rules. It is a dog's fight because there's no clear winner yet, which is just bizarre. I want to play a couple of quick clips and then get to your phone calls. So um, we were talking about this issue of street hockey in Statesville. So one picture I've been shown, it's four cones and a a little big orange pop-up thing in the middle of the street. And then at the other end, the same sort of thing. Others say, no, no, it was just one of those little green turtles that says slow down. I got one of those on my street. I know what you're talking about there. Well, Lisa O'Kane is a mother in, in Stittsville, the one that put up the sign on her street. And according to the, the CTV report, it's just the turtle. So I don't know which one it is. But here's what Lisa O'Kane's view is on what's going on. I don't want them to be uh, kept inside and afraid of traffic and what if i want to teach them to be safe and and to supervise that okay and if you're not completely blocking the road great those little green turtles to slow down thing i'm good with that you want to block the whole street you're going too far shad uh Kadri, though counselor for the area he doesn't want any games in in the street at all with other distractions for a driver whether it be a cell phone or whatever else they're doing are the kids really safe on that street playing hockey? Okay. Being on a cell phone while driving? That's illegal. 
That's illegal. Do you have thoughts on this? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Paul, calling in about one of my favorite topics, Monsieur Trudeau. Well, uh, how are you, Brian? Perfectly adequate. I'm, I'm hooked on your show. Great show. Thank you. <clears throat> um, let me get off with the road hockey. I'm going to try and put some order to my comments. The road hockey, I'm going to tell you something. That's a very critical, critical topic. I mean, that counselor must have nothing on his desk to do. I personally think. Well, uh, in, in fairness to him, Paul, yeah. the, the question was being put to him all day by the media. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this was a media-driven story of someone complained about kids playing in the street okay. and, and so on. So he's getting asked about it, and he just thinks okay. that they shouldn't be out there at all. Okay. Because I, I kind of thought I would call this the Petrudo to, to, to resolve that. Um, <laughs> you know, that is a national, that's a national interest story. Um, the other thing that I need you to help me with, Brian, is Canada, God loves us. We've got big, arm, big arms to help everyone. And I apologize for not pronouncing it correctly, but um, the Indian reservation where the young children are killing themselves, what's it called again? Attawapiskat. Now, help me understand, um, they're getting no support, and God bless the 25,000 Syrians coming in. You know, there seems to be an imbalance on priorities. That's number one. Um, You know, and I'm just kind of wondering, is like, did Mr. Trudeau not play well as a child? He wasn't noticed. I kind of think now he's going to say, if you love me and vote for me, here's a million dollars. If you want to know anything about computers, the hell with ISIL. Computers is the way to go. I kind of think, if I've missed it, please, Brian, stand straight me up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are the priorities? If you ask a student, university student, uh, 25 or 30, uh, are you really concerned about wind turbines, uh, environmental studies, or jobs? I guarantee you, it's a landslide victory for the jobs. I haven't heard jobs. I haven't heard ISIL. I just heard him going around, excuse me, but the Canadian voters, I don't know if you're mentally constipated or what, but wake up, folks. You've been taken for a ride. Wait to hear your comments. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call, Paul. Yeah, I mean, he has been. Um, he, He is taking us for a ride, and he is getting a free pass from the media. Thus, no questions on the half million dollars going from the union that he's speaking to, to the project to help him get elected. How is that not a question? If a shadowy conservative group based in the United States, even with the Canadian branch, had donated money to Stephen Harper, it would be headline news all day, every day, for weeks on end, and just Stephen Harper talk to an American Justin Trudeau to, you know, get support from a union for huge money? No. By the way, that story's up on my Facebook page if you want to share it. Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Let your friends know the truth. Now, as for Attawapiskat, I've heard this a couple times. These guys are getting nothing and refugees are getting a ton. Look, it's true. Refugees are getting a ton. And... Tomorrow, we'll have more information out on exactly what is happening on the overspending on refugees. I mean, just silly stuff, silly stuff that didn't need to happen, that drove up the cost. We could have helped an awful lot of people without the huge cost. We'll have more on that tomorrow. But Attawapiskat has been getting a ton of money for years, for years. And they have not managed it. 
They have not managed it at all. More of your calls when we come back. You want to email me? Do it now. Beyond the news at CFRA.com. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Join the conversation with thousands of other great Canadians. Back in moments. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Oh, yeah, I'm worth it. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Gloria, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, good evening to you. Good evening, Gloria. (laughs) Listen, you know what? There's just no comparison in what uh, Jack McLaren did and the corruption that, that Kathleen Wynne and her liberal government are involved in. You know, I mean, it's... But in there, you've got Patrick Brown taking action because, I mean, let's face it, what Jack did on both counts was kind of stupid. But mm-hmm. he's saying, Patrick Brown is saying, here's the discipline. But then on when it's, oh, unethical fundraising, exactly. bribing candidates, exactly. wasting billions, yep. nothing to see here. And gas plant scandals, emails erased. You know, it's the whole thing. But but it's the thing is, I'm amazed why there's no calls for 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 Patrick uh, Brown uh, from them, either him or An- Andrea Horvath, for when to resign. I mean, they've got enough ammunition. I mean, well, you- Pat- Patrick Brown did call for a uh, a public inquiry into their fundraising issues. Well, yes, that's at least a start because. There, there's so much that is underhanded and, and corrupt that uh, I would have thrown right back in, in her face her police, and, like as I said, her police investigations and name them, the, the gas plant, the email, uh, and, and these, these uh, invest, police investigations into bribery and corruption laws, you know, uh, offering appointments and, uh, and then a job if, if, some, if a candidate will step aside for the one they wanted. You know, it's, it's just too much. Uh, and, and, and these, to me, it's, it's question, questionable. It's almost corrupt in the sense these, these tactics of, of fundraising by selling one-on-one interviews with liberal ministers if they donate $6,000. I mean, it, it only caters to businesses with, with, with deep pockets, not the average person, you know, like uh, I scratch uh, uh, your back, you scratch mine when it comes to time for uh, business uh um yeah well done. i mean look gloria i've said uh, before i'm willing to meet uh, bob chirelli for a chicken dinner at the swiss chalet <laughs> out on carling near his house near his riding uh, but i just don't want it to cost six thousand dollars i don't think bob's going to take him up on it have you signed the petition firebob.ca I haven't done that yet, Brian. Okay. I better do that. All right. I encourage everyone to call for Bob Shirelli to be fired, oh, for Kathleen, Kathleen Wynn to be Wynn. fired. And we put up the billboard across the street from her office, and it's driving her to distraction. I need to ask you a question. If a yep. person doesn't want to list online, uh, if they want to, to make a donation to, to the um, uh, rebel, how uh, do you have an address that you give out? 
you're asking me for an address? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rather than list on... on... <laughs> okay, I'm looking for Can it right now because I don't have it. Oh. Uh, I do not have it handy. Okay. Well, that's okay. Next It tomorrow. is. It okay. is. Uh, I can give it out right now. Okay. P.O. Box. Okay. P.O. Box. 73. 73. 536. 536. Yeah. Witchwood. Now that's. Witchwood. Yeah. W Y C H Wood. W- C H. Hmm. Interesting. P.O. P.O. So, yeah. So that's Witchwood P.O. as in Witchwood Post Office. Okay. And this is Toronto, Ontario. Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's where the Rebel headquarters is. Okay. And it's, uh, so I'll give out the postal code, then I'll spell it phonetically, M6C4A7. So Mike 6 Charlie mm-hmm. 4 Alpha 7. Okay. And so it's, it's, you just put the Rebel. Is that what it is? The yep. Rebel? The Rebel, P.O. Box 73536. Witchwood P.O., Toronto, Ontario, Witchwood, M6C4A7. Yeah, just right in there. Thanks for the call, Gloria. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, let's go to Maureen calling in from Manatech. Hello, Maureen. You're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. I was wondering, are you going to post um, online about that IAFF meeting today in the speech? Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually, it's already up on the Rebel. It's on my Facebook page as well. Wonderful. Um, and the podcast will be up online later. I mean, if, if people missed the radio show one night and you want to listen to it, yes. you can listen to it on your computer, you can listen to it on your smartphone, whatever you want to do. Because I'm sure the union isn't aware of what they were applauding. Oh, I'm sure the union bosses were. But I know firefighters who would not be happy that their money went to that. I know. I know that for a fact. Uh, do, you, do you have firefighters in your family? Yes, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> and would he be happy about uh, uh, half a million dollars going to ju- help elect Justin Trudeau? <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. Good yeah. to hear. Yeah, well, I was speaking to a firefighter today, not too happy about it. And I know a few others without even talking to them. I haven't spoken to them yet since we got this information, and, uh, and they want, they wouldn't uh, be happy. And uh, you know, I'm telling you, tomorrow afternoon, uh, I'll be releasing more info on the union funding of this, and right. and I'll bring the the information to the the radio show tomorrow night as well. Right. Uh, but we're only finding out about this because of the requirements that American-based unions have had, Maureen. Since 1958 or something, like Jack Kennedy was a senator. John F. Oh. Kennedy was a senator and voted for this, and the Democrats backed it. That's how long they've been doing this. And they're not aware of it. In the states, they have it, and here in Canada, no, nope. no, nope. you can't. You, you, we just let them collect billions and spend billions tax-free, and with all these special rules, but there's no accountability. Right. Unreal. Yes, it is. And thanks for bringing it to our attention. All right. Thanks for the call, Maureen. Uh, so Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. You can find it there now. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Let's go to uh, to Michelin in Ottawa. You're on Beyond the News. You caught me off guard, Brian. I did. With your brilliant work. Yes, did, you did. Did you go to the fridge or something? Or how did I catch you off guard? What? 
I was under the impression Trudeau was on the George Clooney's uh, New York big dollar fundraising invitation list to endorse Hillary Pantsuit Clinton. <laughs> so you caught me off guard saying that he was there to endorse, to do a, to, to, to speak to, to the, uh, the firefighters uh, union. So you're really good. <laughs> he, he, he was speaking to the firefighters union. Uh, and, and then and- he's going to Clooney's. Is he going to Clooney's? I don't know. That's why you you caught me off guard. No, he was going. He, yeah, he was he's on, on his. I he's on the Clinton invitation list for sure. Uh, but he as a as a Canadian, he cannot actually donate. No, 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 no. But just showing his pretty face. <laughs> Hello, dollar, your dollar, dollar, <sighs> dollar, going into the room with his pretty wife and pretty face. Dollar he's bill, used, dollar bill, dollar bill. He's used because he did that ever since he was uh, uh, he was nominated in Montreal there to be. So he's been fundraising since four years ago, five years ago. <laughs> so there you go, Brian. But you uh, caught me off guard. But anyway, he's there for Clinton for sure. He, I think he would uh, definitely back Clinton. I mean, well, well, Canadian politicians, uh, Michelin, they, the money is. but they also normally don't comment on American oh, politics. Please don't tell me that. I S- know. Stephen Harper did not comment on whether Barack like, Obama should be in. He didn't or, like the elites. The, or, the or whatever. The difference but, between no, the difference between uh, Monsieur uh, Monsieur Harper and uh, two two different stage elites to two different worlds. Like you know, he didn't like the elites. Harper did not like the elites. Oh no, he didn't. And right? Trudeau, he, it, it he was liked Rainbow Cinemas. It. Well, you know, he liked he, going to the movies at Rainbow Cinemas because it's cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and he he liked to 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 go to hockey games and everything else. But there was no paparazzi with uh, with Mister. Anyway, just to let you know, you got me off guard. But now I know the two stories. Uh, There's two 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 stories you, to Trudeau. You wanted to talk about the um, the New York primaries as well. Should I dare? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I heard that you're going, so my my thoughts will be with you <laughs> when when you go to New York. I, I, I don't even know where to go yet. Yeah, I'm just going to drive down to New York and do old-fashioned reporting. And you, you're good at it. You, just, you have a straight mind. I'll just show up with my recording gear, cool. with my camera, and I'll say, what's up? Love you to pieces, Brian, and God bless. All right, thanks for the call. Bye. What are your thoughts on any of the issues we've been talking about tonight? New York primaries, uh, Trudeau going out with George Clooney. I don't know. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility. You want to jump in before the uh, the end of the show? Now is your chance. And uh, and of course you can always email me beyond the news at cfra dot com. When we come back, a uh, little bit of music from. A band that sadly had to say goodbye, and they had to say goodbye too soon. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580CFRA. Coming up in a minute, I'm going to close out the show with some thoughts on a, uh, a great Canadian band that 
unfortunately had to um, end things too soon. Rather sad story, but um, uplifting. If you if you go and read some of the reviews of their final shows this past weekend and uh, and how they came together as a family to to deal with that, we'll get into that in a minute. But right now, George in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. George, yes, oh, hi. Yeah, it's me. Sorry about that. Um, I, I thought you were like Archie earlier that went to the fridge and never came back. I heard everything you said except my name, and then the <laughs> second time around, I heard my name. So. Um, First of all, may I say that uh, I have a lot of respect for you and what you do. I don't know how many hours a day you work, but uh, you have to be one of the hardest working people. Uh, it's a lot. I don't know that I'm one of the hardest working. There's plenty harder than me, but it's a lot of hours. Okay. If you don't mind, you uh, about the uh, Firefighters Union, Trudeau, Liberals, and the media, and you asked sort of rhetorically, where are the media on the Canadian media on this, and uh, why are they giving him a free pass? Mm-hmm. You just asked the question. I would honestly like to hear your, your you answer that question yourself, because it bothers me a lot. Where are they? Because I know they're not stupid people. These uh, journalists, and I know politicians aren't necessarily stupid. They have families, too, when you look 20 years down the road. I mean, they've got kids. So what is going on with the media and the politicians? Like, it, it, it's, it's, a mix- not, it's not negligence. And it's it, it's something a, else. It is a mixture of things. Um, the ability for most journalists to take the time to actually research the topic they are discussing. In the 16-plus years that I've been in this business now, that time has shrunk. Uh, deadlines are always on, and uh, I remember speaking with a guy who I consider an old-timer, and uh, the the young kids in the newsroom think I'm an old-timer, and he said, uh, do you remember back when we used to get a report and we'd be able to read it? And I said, no, not really. (laughs) But you really can't read reports all the time now. But it doesn't take long to, thanks to the Google machine, as I call it, it doesn't take long to look up. Did the firefighters donate to any political causes? And because they're an American-based union, it doesn't take long. But they don't have the inclination to look, George. That's the problem. They don't have the inclination because they... <sighs> so mo- so most, a jur- most... to a journalist, truth is sort of irrelevant now, or the, uh, no, well, the story. I, it's just being there and and, uh, and recording what they say and taking it at face value. Is that the way it is? I would say that, because I mean, everyone comes to what they do with their own bias. The idea of an unbiased journalist is a fallacy. It doesn't exist. We all have our own biases, and, and it's built into what we think, what we believe, what we hold dear, and the default position for people in the media in this country, is liberal. Uh, specifically, Big L liberal. Uh, New Democrats complain about, I, I read out a tweet earlier about Trudeau and his quantum computing from a, a New Democrat. I mean, they're absolutely outraged that they were so compliant in that that whole story. Trudeau, schools, journalists. Uh, no, no, that's not what happened. So on, on this issue, would they bother to go and look? But they don't... 
their default position is the same as his. And most of them are also unionized. And so they view unions as an inherently good thing instead of so they don't hold unions with the same kind of suspicion as they would a business. And they don't hold liberals with the same kind of suspicion that they would a new Democrat or a conservative. Okay, so, Brian. So they, I know don't, you wanna, they don't go looking. You want to get to that music thing at the end of the show. So just I'll, I'll just say this, and I'm I'm scratching the surface of this topic. It's an involved one, but to me, it's like you're saying. There's you, uh, Maidley was one of the good guys. There's Lowell Green, and there's Rob Snow, and there's Ezra Levant, and there's a bunch of other people from Sun against the rest of the world. Is that what it, I mean, has it really the, come to this in this country? The, the default position of journalists is left-wing. And I would be willing to bet that you would find more, if we, if we surveyed and everyone was honest and we did it anonymously or however you had to do it, and you asked members of the parliamentary press gallery to tell you, did they vote liberal, New Democrat, or conservative, it would not match the Canadian public. Oh, no, I, I appreciate it, it, it. I appreciate that. It would be mostly liberal, and there's a good chance that it would be more New Democrat than conservative. And so that, that, that's the problem in, it, in and of itself, and because we, we can't get away from our biases. We can't. I'm up front with mine, George. Most of them are not. They claim to be, um, they claim to be unbiased. They claim to be neutral. They're just not. Yeah, but when I listen to you and uh, some of your uh, colleagues that you respect and some of the callers that call you, I just, to me, the difference isn't close, like what what, uh, political affiliation you have if you're uh, center, a little bit left of center, a little bit right of center. This is like dark black against uh, light white, you know. The difference is so stark, I can't believe... That's, I know, I'm, I'm uh, out of, well, get, we, to your, get to your music. Thing. All right, yeah, we're almost show. done. Thanks for okay. the call, George. Thank you. Call in again, happy to talk this topic anytime. The band I've been speaking about is Spirit of the West, and this is a group that came about in the 1980s out of Vancouver, and they combined Celtic folk music, they combined uh, rock, they combined punk they combined an awful lot of things into a uniquely Canadian sound. This past weekend, they played their last set of shows at the Commodore Theater. Or the, sorry, the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver. I didn't find out it was their last stand of shows until Saturday morning when a friend emailed me and a, a group of others. Had I known, I might have been in Vancouver Saturday night just for this show. It's a group that I've seen in concert many times. It's a group I've, my brother got me a, a signed LP. Played it over and over again on the weekend. This is one of their best-known songs, political. But you may know them from Save This House. You may know them from Home for a Rest. But John Mann, one of the main players in it, had to stop performing because at age 53 he developed early onset Alzheimer's they tried to to tour for the last six to eight months they tried to play as many shows as they could but eventually he couldn't play the songs he'd written himself without reading the words off an iPad and getting musical cues from his bandmate 
So in a tribute to Spirit of the West, we'll play out the show tonight with one of their best songs, Political. An appropriate one for this show. Godspeed you, John Mann. Thank you for all you've done.